Welcome to another episode of I Own a Business, where we focus on helping practice owners grow the practice of their dreams. I'm your host, Dr. Steve Vargo, and you've probably seen or, or potentially heard my next guest, Dr. Jennifer Stewart. Dr. Stewart is an optometrist, an internationally recognized speaker, writer, consultant, entrepreneur, and most importantly, an avid Disney fan, which is where we're going to focus our discussion today. She lives her life by the quote, if you can dream it, you can do it. So welcome, Jennifer. Great to see you. Great to see you too. And in honor of our, our podcast, I didn't know if it was video or not, but I have my Disney mug which says make your own magic. So I had to run down and make a cup of tea in my Disney mug for this podcast. So if you're listening on audio, your job now is to visualize Jennifer holding a mug, a Disney <laughs> mug. So you know, years ago, something at IDOC we started doing a sort of a mission statement is we started really promoting the phrase helping practice owners build the practice of their dreams. It's really sort of a, a mission we have that, at IDOC, and we just mentioned a quote that you live by, if you can dream it, you can do it. And a common theme here seems to be dreams, right? Creating that dream, that vision, not just a business plan, but a, a feeling. And Disney, which is obviously a multi-billion dollar company, I think that's something they do really well is they create a feeling. So before we get into the business side, because that's what I want to spend some time talking about, how you've taken what you've learned and experience um, through Disney and applied to your practice, applied to your professional life. Before we get into that, I'm just curious, what what is your feeling driving onto Disney property? You you park your car, you take one of those little shuttle buses there, you get out and you walk into the park. What, what feeling does that create for you? This is a common uh, theme question in my home because my husband just doesn't get it. So <laughs> I think, you know, there's people who love Disney and there's people who try to understand why some of us love it so much. Um, I've been going since I was a kid. I think that's kind of the general theme that most of us have. But I really started going more in my adult life, you know, during uh, after college and optometry school and more recently you know, with my kids and, and for meetings. For me, I just love that when I walk through that gate, I know that kind of the outside world disappears. And even more so now, I think that's such a, a, an important way to have a break from reality. Um, I know that when I walk through the main gate that I know the sounds, the smells, um, the feel, everything is going to support this feeling of being not in reality, which they do so well. And for me, it's the attention to detail. I mean, I love the rides. I love, you know, everything, you know, I love the characters. I've always just been so impressed by the way that everything that you do see, smell, touch, experience supports that. And it really is magical the way they create this fantasy world. So I, I realize within your answer, you you've partly answered my next question, but I'll, I'll ask you to expand on a little bit. So that was the, maybe the personal reaction, the personal feeling that you experience walking in. But I, I don't think as a business owner, as a practice owner, an entrepreneur, you can walk away from that experience without taking some ideas with you that you could implement in your own practice. You, you experience that and you say, wow, how could, how could I replicate that? What could I replicate that? So from more of a business or, or practice owner standpoint, 
Um, what attracted you? We'll get into the strategies maybe you've used it in a minute, but maybe just expand on that a little bit. What attracted you to the Disney brand from a maybe wearing that hat of a business owner? I really love the consistency. I know that when I go, no matter when it is, who I'm with, whether I'm with my family, whether I sneak in uh, solo, I, when I'm attending a meeting and go by myself, I know that I'm going to have the same experience. And I know consistently that the cast members are going to be friendly. They're going to be helpful. Um, I, I just feel this consistent level of excellence and that people are, are looking to help and to help me. Um, my first job actually after um, high school was working at a high-end hotel as well. So I worked at Mohonk Mountain House and it was when I started, I was 18 years old, you know, I've never really had a job. And the focus there was on the guest experience. And they had us go through such an extensive training when we started and everyone went through the same training, whether you were a gift shop employee like me, you know, making ice cream and milkshakes or the CEO of the company, we all went through the same training and the training was focused on putting the guests first. And I really feel, you know, that I think inspired me and really helped me understand and see Disney a little bit differently than just a theme park, you know, vacation, but to really see how that is done. And I was, I was fascinated by it when I worked at the hotel, um, you know, we were taught never to point if a guest asked us a question or asked us where something was, we were never to point, but we were to say, I was just heading that way myself, May I, you know, can I walk with you and show you where, where the lake is or where the bathroom is? So those are things I remember. And that was, uh, you know, hate to date myself. That was 1999. Um, but I still remember that. And I remember this focus on guest experience. So taking from there and then seeing how Disney does that and does it to such a high level. Uh, it's just inspired me over the years to look at Disney a little bit differently. Were you able, ever able to do the, and I might be getting the name a little bit wrong here, the behind the magic curtain tour? Is that, am I, is that the right name? There, I haven't done any of the behind the scenes. Part of me wants to, and part of me also feels just like if I, if you know, a ride breaks down and you see Space Mountain in <laughs> with the lights on. You know, I think part of me also wants to keep some of that magic there. Um, I've taken courses through the Disney Institute, so there's online courses that I've been taking to learn more about how about the guest experience and leadership development and how they empower their employees. My goal, my on my bucket list is to do the in-person training where they do do some of the behind the scenes, but really you're learning about their employee engagement, um, you know, kind of their behind the scenes more on the business side, but I haven't done any of those yet. So I'm hoping. <laughs> well, I won't lift the curtain too much to, to kill your dream, but what I, it, it was fascinating and one of the uh, the things that I found fascinating with it was how much they're constantly learning about the what they could do better. And it's sort of this process of continuous improvement. And you mentioned that they don't point a couple other things, which you, you may already know it's but they, they got into some of the things that they've learned. You don't you, one thing you can't buy at Disney is is oh. gum. Okay. Because they would find that people would put gum in places where, you know, un under the, you know, in, in the rides or, you know, on the seats or things like that under the seats. Uh, the they found that a lot of people who would walk in and need some kind of special care like a wheelchair 
one of the first things they would do when they would walk in the park was start walking around looking for wheelchairs and have to go ask somebody. So they said, let's put the wheelchairs right at the entry door when people walk in so they can see them and they can grab them. And, and it's those little those little things, those um, little attention to detail strategies that they're continuously implementing. So let's get a, maybe a little bit more into the the strategies that you've implemented. What are some of the the Disney tactics or strategies that that you've seen that work for Disney? And you said, I'm going to try that in my practice. So one of my favorite ones is, you know, there's a lot of books I've read about Disney and the guest experience. And one of the questions they always talk about is guests asking a cast member, what time is the three o'clock parade? And that's a common one where, you know, it could be on one side, you could laugh and go, what? You're asking what time the three o'clock parade is? But they're not asking that. They're asking, what time does the parade come here? What time does the parade pass by this spot? So really kind of looking at what people are asking and anticipating the question that they might not be expressing well. Um, you know, one could be, um, you know, do you have any appointments open on Friday? And you could look at the schedule and go, nope. And they're silence. And it, you know, that's a huge missed opportunity instead of saying, you know, we, we don't have anything with Dr. Stewart on Friday, but do you prefer mornings or afternoons? What does your schedule look like? What, what days do you typically, you know, want to come in? So really anticipating the question that somebody's asking and, and being able to answer it without kind of saying like, what are you really asking and, and making them feel uncomfortable, but anticipating what they're actually asking and being able to solve that seamlessly. So that's, you know, I, I love that. And I love that you're kind of understanding what they're asking, figuring out a way to answer it better and turning a, a closed end question where you could simply say no, or we're not accepting new patients into, you know, an opportunity to schedule that patient and to really wow that patient with a great experience before they've even walked into your office. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. And that's another thing they talked about in this thing was a lot of the, the role play that they did with the, they call them staff or not staff members, they're cast, cast members. members. Yeah. For different scenarios, different questions, how to answer those questions, how to prepare for different questions. You mentioned something before, around consistency and creating that consistent experience. So Dr. Jennifer Stewart could go to Disney, get all the ideas in the world, or can go to a conference. You have a team, you have a staff, and it's really difficult, if not impossible, to create consistency if you don't have your whole team on the same page. So maybe this is more of a leadership question, but how do you coach these things to your employees? What And what process does it not just become something where, hey, I went to a conference and learned some new things, or I went to Disney and got this great idea, and people do it for the next four days and then slowly go back to the old way, but keep that consistent um, consistency in place for the long haul? I'm a big fan of scripting, and, and Disney does it very well, but I'm I'll say the caveat is that not making it sound scripted. And, you know, you have somebody standing at the entrance for Splash Mountain or It's a Small World, and they're saying the same thing over and over and over and over. And it doesn't sound like that. We all know that. We all know that they're standing there saying the same thing. But to me, walking through that gate, maybe for the first time, this is my first time getting on Space Mountain. So when they're saying, you know, keep your hands inside the vehicle or whatever they're saying, that might be the 40th time they've said that in the last hour, but for me, it's the first time I'm hearing that. So that's the message we try to empower with our staff is when, you know, when you're pre-testing a patient and you're talking them through the, the testing you're doing, you might say this 20 times today, times five days, times 52 weeks in a year, 
But for that patient, this is the first time they're hearing it. So really making sure that we're using kind of good descriptions, making it sound exciting. It doesn't, it don't come across fake or false. You know, we don't want the patient to feel, you know, that, that it's not true and it's not authentic, but really have a way of describing what you're doing and making it consistent. I, you know, in the exam room, it's the same thing. We do the same thing over and over and over. Um, but really being efficient and effective with the dialogue you're using. And that might involve scripting. It might involve having two team members work together to really talk about how they're going to describe, you know, autorefraction. And they might do it differently, but making sure it's consistent so that I know whenever I have a patient come in and Sally's pre-testing them, I know consistently that patient's getting the same experience versus you know, it's kind of a, a crapshoot. Are they going to, you know, what are they going to say? Are they just going to say, sit here, forehead here? And, you know, maybe it's sonometry and they get a big puff of air and the patient wasn't expecting it. But how can we describe that consistently? Even if it's the same and that patient hears it again in a year, they're not going to remember that, but they're going to anticipate, oh yeah, I remember doing some of these things, but they're going to talk me through it and it's going to be okay. So I, you know, I'm a huge fan of, of making sure that the team understands the why behind what we're doing and understands how to communicate that to the patient. And it doesn't have to take 15 minutes, but thinking about you know, each person at Disney when they're greeting you to go on a ride or when you're exiting the ride, what they're saying, they're saying it over and over and over again, but they make it feel like for you, it's the first time they've said it. It's And, and I think it's something they do really well in that... Uh, in in with that as well is helping people stay on when they're on stage. So I had a doctor once, he said when a new, every time a new patient walks in the door and it had nothing to do with Disney, but he says the way we approach it is when a new patient walks in the door, everybody knows they're on stage. So, and again, I don't want to tip, you know, too much from the, what we learned in the, in the, the tour we went on, but it's called behind the magic curtain where they sort of give you the business side of what they do, but you do walk through the backstage area where the, the cast is. And they said, you'll notice they're just hanging out. Nobody's running up to you with an ice cream cone. They're, they're talking on their cell phones. There's an old story once it was probably back from the seventies or eighties, but this guy wrote this article about how, when he went backstage once at Disney, one of the first things he saw was Cinderella sitting down, smoking a cigarette, arguing with her boyfriend <laughs> on the phone. But he actually, it gave him respect for what they do when they're on stage, because these are real people who need downtime. But yet at the minute they walk out on stage onto the amusement park, they have to put on a, a, a certain face and create that feeling because you're right. That little, five-year-old walking into Disney for the first time as a cast member, it may be, you may be doing something for the 40th time that day, but that's the first time that that five-year-old is experiencing that. So again, it's probably a, a leadership issue too, is making sure that you keep everyone on that, you know, understanding what those expectations are and working with them to create that consistent environment. And, and, and it's time, you know, it's not, and I, I always lead with, I'm not perfect either. And there are times that I forget and I go off script and I, you know, have a patient sitting there, I'm running behind and I don't really want to ask them if they want to try multifocal contact lenses, which is usually part of my script. And I get up and, and as we you know start to exit the exam, we go, oh, what about those, those bifocal contacts? I'm like, great, glad you asked. I was just about to bring that up. And in my head, I went, that, that was a huge missed opportunity for me, but I share that with my staff and I share that with them and say, I know that we talk about, you know, being consistent and saying the same things. This just happened to me. 
And it was embarrassing for me because I had to really quickly think on my feet and backpedal and make it look like I meant to do all this, but it was, a, it was me being not as consistent as I'd like to be. And I learned from that and said, you know, okay, the next patient that walks in, I'm going to go back to my routine and, and make sure that I give them the full experience and the full, my full time, even if I'm running behind. And so I share with them my misses, I share with them my mistakes, and it's a great learning opportunity. I'm not perfect either, but, you know, we kind of revisit it often just to make sure that not just when a new staff member starts, but I try and listen when I'm walking by, when they're pre-testing or, you know, just hear um, what a patient says or what, what questions a patient might have when, when they're doing pre-testing or in the exam room, because that's another missed opportunity that, you know, we could have added that in our script. But I, I love the on stage too. I love talking about that. <laughs> One of the questions I asked when I was there to the, the tour guide was, how do you create this culture where people always seem happy? And, and she said, her answer was, well, we hire happy people. And I, you know, there's certainly something to be said for that, but at the same time, she acknowledged that we don't expect them to be, they're also human beings and we don't expect them to be, that's to be happy all the time. That's why we create a model where people have downtime. We can't expect them to be out there for eight hours, constantly smiling, happy, dealing with everything they need to um, delivering at that, at that level, but we do strive for consistency. So we know when to give them breaks, how to give them breaks, what to allow for that allows them to be a certain way on stage when they are on stage. We talk about that with staff. You know, I talk about that. I'm a, I'm an extrovert, you know, I'm a naturally extroverted person who loves being around people. But I, I tell them when I walk in the door of the office, I'm on stage, we're all on stage and whatever happens in our lives, in our personal lives, in our family, you know, what we're thinking about, that has to be put aside. Yeah, it's coming up from the, you know, the the tunnels of Disney and walking onto Main Street. It has to be put aside for for the time because we are on stage when we're in our practice. We are, you know, taking care of our guests. And, you know, I've talked about my pause before I walk into the exam room. Every time I walk into an exam room, I stop. I usually have a scribe with me. I stop, I take a deep breath, let it out. I put a smile on my face. I knock on the door and I walk in, but I have to take that moment to prepare myself to walk onto my stage and to be in the exam room. I don't run in there flustered. And, you know, I try and take the moment to put myself in my position and, you know, I'm not acting, but it takes, you know, I take a moment to really kind of reset myself. So and everyone, I agree with you, everyone needs breaks. I go back in my office. I'm like, whew, all right, now I can breathe and I can, you know, kind of relax and and allow their staff to do the same thing. And I don't expect them to be on for eight hours, but when you need a break for five minutes, go ahead and take it. But when you're, when you're in, when you're on stage, when you're behind the front desk, when you're with a patient, your full attention is on that patient. It's not texting. It's not, you know, thinking about all of the things that you have to do later. There's a time for that, but when you're on stage, your focus is on the patient. And to anyone listening to this who is in a, a leadership role, we've talked about consistency in the experience you deliver, but I think there's a lot of consistency that needs to be delivered to, to be delivered to from a leadership perspective. And not just, again, having a conversation with the staff and expecting that to stick, but continuously reinforcing the kind of culture you want to build. One of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who said it, but it goes, when you're tired of hearing yourself say it, that's when people are starting to hear it. <laughs> so the, from the, from a culture standpoint, 
obviously this is something that's been a big part. It's affected you personally. It's it's bled into your culture. So maybe it was a an easy implementation for you in terms of just something that you truly believe in. But I'm curious, what impact would you say this has had on your office culture? I think it makes it easier because you know what expectations there are. And it. I'm a huge fan of processes and making sure that there's a plan. So when we bring a new staff member on, it makes it easier to train them because this is our culture. This is how we deliver care. And here's the process we have. So it makes it easy to bring a team member on because you already have these processes in place. You know, we have our scripts for everything we do. There's a script that goes behind it. But my goal, again, is make it yours. But you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you bring a staff member on. I think they also see me as human. You know, I think of myself as the leader, but I'm also human. And they see me, you know, have to maybe take a minute pause before I go into that next exam room because I'm dreading, you know, what's next or I'm feeling overwhelmed, or I just came out of an exam room with, you know, a patient who was angry or upset, or I had to deliver bad news, but they see me take that moment to pause, regroup and and get a hold of everything and then put that smile on my face. And I think making sure that they see me do it is important instead of saying, you know, when you, when you answer the phone, put a smile on your face and they're like, awesome, Dr. Stewart, when you walk away, I'm not going to do that. So, uh, you know, I think as a leader, I, I try and lead by example and, and they know where it comes from. They've heard me talk about this. They know my love of Disney and they know that they, you know, I say, it's not just that I love going to Disney world, but I love the feeling and the consistency of that experience. So how can we do that here? And, you know, we can't obviously build a theme park. That would be very cool. But, you know, what lessons can we learn? And and it makes your job easier. I think it just makes them have good expectations. They're never wondering what they're supposed to do or what they're supposed to say. They don't wonder how I'm going to, you know, I, I'm not a loose cannon. So they know I'm pretty consistent and they know, what I want and they know why I want that. And I don't come back from a meeting with a new idea that's going to, you know, we're going to do this. I know we said we're going to do this, but we're going to do it completely different. And then I go to another meeting and come back with a whole nother, you know, idea. It's the culture, but it it's so rooted in how I believe um, that we should run a practice or run a business, but it's authentic too. So they know it's not something I read in a book and decided that it sounded cool. Yeah. And it's, I, I think it's creating that wow experience on a consistent basis. So a book I'm reading actually was talking about Disney. Ironically, I just read this yesterday where the, uh, a father who he had grown up loving Disney, similar to you, he was just fascinated with the, the whole experience he got there and he couldn't wait to take his kids. So when they got there, they wanted to watch the parade and his two young kids, he went at the last minute, his kids were kind of screaming and his wife said, go get some ice cream. And so he ran to get some ice cream, comes back, he fought his way through the crowd, hands um, his kids the ice cream. And one of them, she goes to eat the ice cream and the ice cream falls on the ground and she starts crying right before the parade is about to come through. And so he's thinking, well, their experience is ruined. They're not going to have the experience I had. And a cast member saw what was going on and came right up and said, can I get you another one? And it was just, it, it, fix the whole situation right there on the spot. So I think it's those little moments you just, you don't forget that can be replicated in a practice. So I, I think it's good with any company to find those companies you look at, how can I emulate this? What ideas can I, can I take? So I appreciate you so much sharing this. I, I know, you know, it's a, um, 
I know it's a, a place that's brought you a lot of personal joy. And also I thought you'd have a lot of interesting things to say regarding what you've implemented into your practice and you did not disappoint. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. It was so, my pleasure. <laughs> where can people find out more about you? If they're on social media, they're, or they read articles or they pay, are paying attention at all. They've probably seen you or read something by you or, or heard you speak somewhere. But um, for anyone else interested, where would they find out or learn more about you? Everywhere. No, just kidding. I'm on LinkedIn. So I welcome, uh, you know, I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. I love to share articles that I've either written or read that I love. And I'm on Instagram. Um, I started a strategic advisory and consulting company called OD Perspectives. So you can find me there with a blog with all of my articles and actually my favorite article that I've written, which was about implementing theme park magic into your practice is pinned to the top. Perfect. So if you see somebody at Disney World who looks like Jennifer Stewart, it's probably Jennifer Stewart. Yes, with with my ears, and I'm if I'm alone, that's okay. I I love going solo when I'm there for a meeting. I can sneak away for a few minutes with my ears and ride all the rides to my heart's content. <laughs> Have at it. That actually sounds fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. So, well, thanks again. Thanks so much uh, for sharing with us. And if you would like more info about IDOC and how we work with. ODs to help grow their practice. You can find out more at idoc.net. Thanks, Jennifer. And thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you.